So there is a weaving golden thread to our stories of faith, a mystery to it all that is yet unseen. But in many ways, we have de-haunted, demystified, de-ghostified the gospel. And in so doing, taken out, at least in our own heads, the wonder and fear and trembling, unknown, unsolved mystery to it all. We've tended to take out things that don't feel so concrete. And with biblical study, we have vaccinated ourselves against the kooky dukes who would claim some crazy things about this historical and understandable book that we have, a book that should really be only used to stack one belief upon another, until you have a nice, tall hedge of protection, a border wall against the unknown and scary and unexplainable parts of life. Of course, I say this in jest. But we have tended to turn the Bible into an answers book, and Christianity into a safe religion. And when we do experience something that is unexplainable or terrifying, we also have those pat answers that we can give to overcome, attempt to overcome suffering or hardship with their objective truths. And I would suggest that we are actually so uncomfortable with the unknown. I might even venture to claim that we hate our own mortality, and so we're kind of glad to have an answer for it. Unfortunately, for those who want to ward off the mystical from their Christian religion, If they really read the Bible, it's not great help in that. Because the Bible is a collection of stories about spirits and demons, death and mummies, immortality and human sacrifice, gods and kings, mystery and fear and ghosts. And the relics make a pretty good Indiana Jones movie, too. It is a collection of tales that recount, that are recounted in the light. Maybe because we're afraid of our own metaphorical darkness. But I wonder if we might do a ghost reading. I wonder what a ghost reading of scripture might reveal. Because I suspect that in our attempts to make the Bible a safe book, most of us have never looked at the Bible through the lenses of ghost story. And I know I hadn't until last week when I was preparing and studying the scriptures for today. And it just popped out to me how mysterious all of it is. But I don't want to give away the ending yet. I want to tell it to you like a ghost story. And how do you tell a ghost story? 
You cannot tell a ghost story like this. You gotta turn out the lights. You have to get a circle. You gotta have a fire in the middle. Well, we can't replicate all those elements because we're inside and it's the middle of the morning. It's not night. But we're gonna try. So uh, we're gonna take a second and we're gonna set up the room. I'm gonna invite you to make a circle with your chairs. And we're gonna add some ghost elements. So before I tell you my ghost story, I want to tell you a little bit about the beginnings of Halloween. About 2,000 years ago, in what's now northern Ireland and northern France, there used to be an ancient Celtic festival called Sowen. The festival was on New Year's Eve, which for them was October 31st. It was believed that on this one strange night, a night that was mysteriously out of time, between the previous and coming years, the boundary between the world of the living and the world of the dead became blurred. And for one night, the dead, the ghosts of the dead, would return to earth. The Celts, in order to ward off these ghosts, would dress up in heads of animals. They would light bonfires. And their pre-Christian priests would be able to prophesy about the future on this night. The prophecies would be a source of comfort in the coming cold and dark winter months. Much later, wasn't until the 8th century that the Christian church under Pope Gregory III named November 1st as All Saints Day. Well, it's a really ironic day to name All Saints Day. And it didn't take long for the, the practices of the Celtic festival of Sowen to become connected. And so then October 31st spread as All Hallows' Eve and the Celtic practices with it. Eventually, it became Halloween. Now, American community leaders in the early 1900s wanted to rid the holiday of any grotesque or frightening elements, which they pretty successfully did. And in so doing, took away most of the holiday's religious and superstitious overtones. However, for those of us who are willing to look, it is still a time 
when we can remember our stories of faith and saints, the stories that came through very strange happenings. Because our divine texts are haunted with demons and pharaohs, mysterious strangers and terrible sightings of specters in the sky. There are mummies and the undead walking around, and there are ghosts. And although there are Christians who don't like the small magical wands in the Harry Potter series, the magic in Moses' oversized wand was far greater. And speaking of Moses, have you heard? He's not actually dead. <laughs> Have you heard the story? The whispers. Sure, you may have heard of his death. The eulogy given in Deuteronomy 34, which we read today, when he went up to the mountain to look at the land that he would not enter. But did you listen closely? Nobody knows where he is buried. No one pilgrimaged to his graveside. He was 120 years old at that time. And it is clear to say that he was not frail, that he had all of his strength it's something that is mysterious. It's like there was an elixir of life from seeing God face to face. That's how the story goes anyway. But who knows? Who knows where his youthfulness came from? And we have this eulogy, but then it goes quiet. And it's not until thousands of years later that we hear about Moses again. At this point in the story, a new sorcerer is on the scene. He is going around in this land that was promised to Moses' people, the land that Moses himself did not enter, and saying that an otherworldly kingdom was coming. Get ready. It was a prophecy, a prediction, a warning. And not only that, but this sorcerer was backing up what he was saying with what he was doing. Voices would speak to him out of nowhere. He somehow could turn death backwards, and he commanded demons. But those are stories for another night. High on the slopes of Mount Hermon, an ancient presence lurked. Concealed in the shadows cast by those ancient olive trees, the mountain had long been known 
as a place of spiritual significance. And the story that unfolded and ex- unfolded on its summit would be etched into the annals of history. Four figures ascended the mountain that day. The sorcerer and his three closest followers. It was late in the day, and a sense of anticipation hung in the air. As they reached the summit, the sky darkened. A strange stillness enveloped the area. The sorcerer's followers were tired and filled with trepidation, unsure of what was about to, they were about to witness. All was still. And then, out of nowhere, a blinding light burst forth, piercing the darkness. The sorcerer's face began to shine like Moses's had. And his clothes became the brightest white. His followers trembled in fear as they saw two ghosts appear. Two long-deceased prophets from the distant past. One of them, they claim, was Moses. The sorcerer talked with Moses and the other specter, their voices echoing through the hallowed silence of Mount Hermon. The followers, though they were overwhelmed by this experience, this strange encounter, they felt this electrifying energy surrounding them as if the boundary between the living and the dead had been blurred. As the moments passed, the disciples could not tear their eyes away from the other earthly encounter. They only heard fragments of the conversation, but the words echoed with a profound significance, though their true meanings remained a mystery. But then, as quickly as it all began, the brilliance faded. The ghostly figures vanished into the ether, and the disciples were left trembling, afraid of what they had seen. From that moment on, the ghostly presence An encounter seemed to linger on Mount Hermon. Locals whisper stories of strange lights and ethereal voices on the mountains, the glimpses of long-dead prophets walking its slopes. Some claim to have felt the presence of Moses in their dreams, whispering strange cryptic prophecies and warnings. 
Unlike the mountain where Moses supposedly died, outside of the divinely bestowed land, the haunting at Mount Hermon stood squarely within the fated promised land to Moses' people. It was a reminder. Moses made it in. And the living presence of Moses remains woven into the fabric of history and faith. The mountain it became the place of pilgrimage that Moses' own death place did not. Seekers and believers would venture to witness the elusive voices of the transfiguration. And perhaps if they were fortunate enough, were cursed, they might encounter those ghostly figures that once graced Mount Hermon's sacred summit. The ghosts speak to us even today in their telling. Moses isn't dead, they whisper. He lives. Take a moment, and in your own head, think about these questions. I wonder if you have ever had a supernatural experience that is hard to explain. I wonder what it was like for Moses to know God face to face. I wonder what it was like for Jesus' disciples to see Moses in the promised land. Now this wouldn't be a proper campfire if we didn't all have a chance to share. So let's discuss a little bit. Where in the Bible can you recall any other stories of ghosts, mummies, demons, angels, the undead, miraculous happenings? Can you think of any other places? Who, Saul? King Saul, not Saul of the New Testament. Yeah. yeah. At first I thought you were going for Saul on the road to Damascus. <laughs> yeah. Blinded by the light. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Definitely a good one. Yeah. I mean, when I was, heard that story when I was a kid, my dad would always be, my dad was my children's pastor. He was like, that was Jesus. And I'm like, uh, was it though? <laughs> oh, yeah. The writing on the wall. The talking donkey. 
There is a talking donkey given the gift of speech, which makes you wonder. <laughs> the what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The angel of death. Carry me home. It's Daly's favorite song. Sweet love, sweet. Oh yeah, water turns to blood. Not creepy at all. Very safe. Is that just after or before frogs? The boils, yeah. And then the plague, where only the oldest child dies. Only of the Egyptians. And locusts as big as houses. And it's like, like, it's like lamb's blood. Like, that's a little weird to me. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Sacrifice a lamb? Lazarus, that's the mummy I was thinking of, right? Like, real-life mummy. Like, he, he's just walking around. And, there, and Jesus is like, unwrap him. He can't see anything. But it's, it makes you wonder, like, was he really alive before the unwrapping? Because he was just, like, stumbling everywhere. Like, that doesn't seem, like, fully alive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Well, that's what it doesn't it say that that yeah. the yeah. Moses' snake yeah. ate the others. My, my question is, like, okay, God enlivened Moses' staff to, staff to be a snake, but who enlivened the oh. other sorcerer's staff to be snakes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Revelation. And Daniel. All eyeballs. <laughs> There's cookies like that. You can make cookies like the angels in the, in the, yeah. Biblical, that's what we're going to do. Biblical Halloween. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a weird one. (laughs) 
well, I think one of the weird, so John's, John's day of Pentecost is when Jesus meets the disciples in the upper room and breathes on them. Right. And then they receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Cruises up across a lake on water. Yeah. You guys are doing good. We need to write these down. Well, we got a recording. Yeah. <laughs> we got to write down these hauntings for a good ghost story book. <laughs> says what? Rip and dip. The Anthropocene. <laughs> my friends. Oh my. Okay, well, I'm really impressed with what y'all came up with. That's really good. I know. There are a lot of demons. The pigs? The pigs? Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> I wonder what you wonder about the hidden nature, the hidden, unseen, unobserved nature. I wonder what you wonder about the unseen, obscured, hidden nature of the kingdom of God in all of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Blurring the line. There's a podcast called Ghost Church. So there's like stuff about people talking to ghosts still, like in America recently. Yeah. I think there'll be a lot of trees and artillery. What? The kingdom of God. Yeah. Trees and artillery. The, there is a, I don't know if you guys have, sorry, are you going to say something? Have you guys watched The Chosen at all? There is a, there is a scene which I, where they're talking about this, and I didn't realize this was in the Old Testament, but there's this prophecy about burning weapons burning weapons and and there's so many weapons that it fuels the fire for like two years or I don't know like something that's crazy but and then you know 2023 uh, just like how through the expanse of time and history like we know that like even from 200 years ago, there's things that we don't know. Like, uh, one of my favorite examples is that, like, in England, there's, like, salt papers, uh, a salt shaker, pepper shaker, and there's this other thing. This is, like, 200 years ago, and we don't know what that other thing was for. Like, they had another spice that they used regularly enough to have a thing, and it was only, like, 200 years ago. We have no idea what it is. So, anyway, through the expansive history of scripture, that's like, crazy. all this weird stuff, the fact that we can say, oh, there are no ghosts, like, that's the made-up thing, like, or, oh, we, we understand all of this, like, yeah. is insane to me. Like, yeah. we, have a, we have a 
you know, a, a deity, and we have this expansive history and all this craziness, and like to to think that we understand it all, which is insane. So like to know that there are just crazy spiritual stuff going on, and we have no idea. It's just amazing. Like as long as humans have been around, everywhere on Earth, before any of these places ever talked to each other, we were writing these ghost stories. So I wonder, I wonder if there is any good news. You wonder if there any good news? I wonder if there's any good news in this ghost story about Moses. You guys got it, right? I mean, it's the transfiguration story. That's more of a, I mean, no one really believes that, but they say the books of Moses, like Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, but no real scholar believes that Moses wrote, I mean, probably Moses wrote some of it, maybe. Certainly not his eulogy, though. Yeah. 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 And and this is also in the Pentateuch is where it says, you know, Moses was the humblest man who ever lived. So. <laughs> yeah, I have questions about that, but that's. For another day. <laughs> so the so the original question, because the kids will be coming back shortly, is is there any good news in this story about Mos this ghost story about Moses? Yeah. What's the good news? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this gets into my own personal theory on ghosts, but um, my answer would be that it was in another dimension. And so I'm not sure that time was that relevant. Space, time.
<laughs> I mean, I don't think that's so crazy, but, you know. Thin places. Thin places. Here, so speaking of thin places, I don't know, that was not a very good transition, but we're going to welcome the kids back. Let's make space for them. We'll decreepify this room. <laughs> <laughs>